for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is August 31st, 2021, and today's guest is the UP bowhunter, Todd Freeman. All right, all right. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is 176. And today's episode is about hunting the UP of Michigan. Now, this is selfishly something that I wanted to know about because there's a lot of history with the UP and bow hunting up there. So it's something I've never done. Um, and it's something I wanted to learn more about. So I've got uh, one of the experts on it that I would like to say because he grew up in the UP, bull hunted in the UP. Now he's since relocated to New Jersey, but uh, he is one of the OGs. He was in there in the 80s and the 90s, and he bow hunted and hunted with a gun and everything. And uh, we get into talking about UP hunting, and it's really cool because there's a lot of history up there. So in short, that's what today's podcast is about. You know, I, I want to quickly kind of hit on what what has been going on the last uh, this last weekend. Just got back last night. Um, spent three days in Illinois putting food plots in, daylight to dark, and hundred degree heat. It was awesome. <laughs> it was good to get out and do some work. Uh, but we got Illinois dialed in now. Can't wait to get down there this fall and and hopefully fill a tag. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, before we do get into this, though, I do want to talk a little bit about exodus trail cams if you guys are looking for a new trail cam this year go to exodusoutdoorgear.com check out their cameras like i said my favorite camera is the render it's the cell cam i'm i'm really really 
you know, big on the cell cams right now because the way I hunt and uh, the little woodlots that I do hunt in, it uh, it gets me my fix to my phone every day, and uh, it doesn't make me have to go in there and, and want to check them all the time. So ExodusOutdoorGear.com, go check them out. Everything you want, they have. They don't, they have, you know, other cameras as well. They have normal trail cams, not just cell cams, but they are backed by a five-year warranty, which is crazy. Not a lot of trail cam companies out there do offer that. So you do get a five-year warranty and they're great, great dudes. Great bunch of guys. Go check out all their content as well on YouTube. They do the whitetail cribs. Um, they do the big buck uh, stories. Like they just came out with one about the hole in the horn buck, uh, the number two non-typical world record buck. It was pretty cool. So go check out all the stuff that they're doing. And also, I do want to drop a line. If you guys are looking for some more content, go check out Working Glass Bowhunter. Those guys over there are doing an awesome job. Love those guys. Become pretty good friends with them. Um, go check them out. They put they come up with a lot of good episodes every week. And uh, I believe, actually, right now, they're heading on a mule deer hunt, I believe. So uh, can't wait to get those guys back and hear about what uh, they got going on and what happened on the mule deer hunt so with that being said i'm going to get over to this interview with todd and uh we're going to have a good time so hopefully you guys enjoy this thank you for all the support and all the downloads and we're going to get over this interview with todd all right welcome back to the fall podcast and this week's guest is something i've been really excited about because selfishly it's about the UP, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So everybody that's not from Michigan is probably turning the dial off now. But this is something that's going to be really cool um, it, just because of the history that Michigan deer hunting in the UP brings to what we do every year. So on the other line with me is the UP bow hunter Todd Freeman. Todd, thank you for coming on, man, and discussing some of this stuff. Hey, no problem, Aaron. Happy to be here, man. Yeah, definitely. So I like to start these off with, you know, a lot of people listening to this might not know who you are. So kind of give the brief, like who you are, you know, you're a youper, I'm a troll. A lot of people probably don't <laughs> understand what that is, but I live below the bridge and you lived above the bridge. So <laughs> that's how you, yeah. you know, differentiate us. So um, kind of give everybody the 411 of who you are. All right, so, you know, my real name is Todd Freeman. Uh, the UP Boners is something, you know, uh, that came along, you know, over the years with uh, different, uh, you know, forums and hunting forums and stuff like that. Um, that it's just a handle I always grabbed. Um, always proud. You know, most people are pretty proud of where they came from and, you know, their upbringing and whatnot. And uh, so the UP bow hunters is something that I grabbed whenever it was available on different forums and stuff like that. And uh, just something I I kind of ran with when I used to film hunts and stuff like that, uh, 10, 10 years ago or whatever, it, you know, my, my, uh, YouTube page was called UP bull hunter and that kind of stuff. So yeah. So, you know, Todd Freeman, um, I grew up in the upper peninsula of Michigan. Um, when I was 18 years old, I went in the Navy and came out East, uh, a couple of years after I, I got stationed in the Philadelphia area, spent spent a little time um in the south jersey area and met a girl over here my wife marcy and we've been married 30 years now and uh you know I, i've been uh living here in and out you know because i was still in the navy for a few years after that and yep. in and out of here and up and down the east coast and 
actually out in California, Southern California for a little while, but um, just in and out and, and, you know, found, found a place here in South Jersey, but my first love of everything has always been the Upper Peninsula. If, if you take uh, an hour of your day and you about probably about 10 minutes of every hour of every day, I think about the Upper Peninsula. Really? <laughs> I wish I could live there, but my wife is a South <laughs> Jersey girl. And she's not about to leave here. So Yeah, well, and the UP is if for people that haven't been up there, haven't seen it, it's, it's a, it's a different beast. It is like, honestly, I feel like it could be its own state. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's totally different than the lower peninsula of Michigan. I mean, once you get start getting up to like Northern Michigan, you know, Northern lower peninsula, it starts feeling like what I would call like Alaska, Canada, you know, Canada more or less. But then when you get up to the UP, it's vastly different. I mean, it is, It is so dense, the forest, and it's just not a lot of people, in my opinion, up there. I don't even know what the population is up there, honestly, but uh, it's just a different vibe when I go across the bridge, and it's like, you just feel different. Did you ever get that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, first of all, it's where I'm from, so as soon as I started getting above uh, Grayling and stuff like that, we have a lot of friends in the Grayling and the Traverse City yep. and family in the Traverse City area. Once I get above there, it's it's a lot like the Upper Peninsula, but once I hit that Mackinac Bridge, it's like uh, it, it's like the, that's the, the gateway to having to me, you know, <laughs> yeah. for, for the couple of times I get to get up there every year. But, you know, I'd like to give some people some geology of the UP, if you don't mind. Aaron. Yeah, go right ahead. All right, so yeah, the Upper Peninsula is, we're actually connected to Wisconsin. And, you know, growing up, um, I'm a Lions fan because my dad's family came from from the Lower Peninsula. So, I mean, we're we're all Michigan, all everything, all Good. Detroit, everything Good. as far as sport. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, up here, um, and I can kind of see it, I, I, I hate them. But, uh, you know, most of the people up here are Packers fans because, I mean, let, let, let's face it, first of all, they're, they've been a good team over, over the, you know, over the years. And um, people from up here actually are only three and a half, four hours away from Green Bay. So back in the day when you used to have to go actually go shopping, not doing everything online, um, people from the Upper Peninsula generally would go down to, to Green Bay or Milwaukee to to, to Christmas shop and everything yeah. else, you know, they wouldn't go all the way down to Detroit, like eight hours away, nine hours away to Detroit. They would go over to Wisconsin. So you can kind of see how, you know, you know, being connected to Wisconsin and being much closer to the, the first big city or big, big town. Um, I think Green Bay is like 800,000. Yeah. You know, it's not really, really big, but it's got a football, it's a football town. So I can understand it. And I got family members that are green, Bay, you know, Packer backers and I hate them, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So some, some of the, the, the geology of the UP, obviously we're, we're, like I said, we're connected to Wisconsin. It's 320 miles long by 125 miles North to South. Um, we're, we touch three lakes. The Upper Peninsula touches three lakes. Lake Superior, the be- most beautiful lake in the world, is um, to our north, and that's our biggest shoreline up there. Uh, you got Lake Lake Michigan to the south on the west side, and Lake Huron to the south on our east side. Mm-hmm. Um, there's sixteen over sixteen thousand square miles of um, surface area of the Upper Peninsula. And about 80% of that is public land. So wow. you think about that, you know what I mean? Um, the Upper Peninsula is one-third the landmass of Michigan, but it's only 
or one point three percent of the population. So if you think about that as well, you know what I mean. Um, I think one of the reasons why the, the upper peninsula is still hasn't is never really been like conquered or however you want to say it um, is because of the way it lays out. So if you're in Michigan and you want to go to Wisconsin, if you're like in Lansing or North, you may go through the upper peninsula to go all the way around. If you want to go over to Wisconsin or Milwaukee or Minnesota, you may go North and go across the bridge and cut over, you know what I mean? But for the most part, most people are going to go Indiana and go around Chicago and go that way. Yep. So if we, we think about the way when, when we were heading, when this country was headed West, it was just a place probably that was just overlooked. It was, it's hard to get to, um, until the fifties or early sixties, there wasn't even a bridge. It was, you had to wait on a ferry to get across from the lower peninsula to the upper peninsula. And it, it was hard travel. You, you'd had to do days of travel to get to the upper peninsula, or if you were going to use the upper peninsula to get West. Does that make it sense, Aaron? Yeah, definitely. It does. And that's, yeah. um, cause even, you know, I'm, I'm an hour north of Lansing where I grew up and where I'm at. So like even when we go, if we go to Wisconsin, I've got relatives in Wisconsin. We're trying to take either the ferry over straight west out of Ludington or we're going down and around. You know what I mean? And a lot of what that reason was too is because once you get up to US 2 for the longest time, it was only 55 mile an hour. You know, so oh, yeah, you yeah. couldn't you couldn't get up in US two and just put the hammer down and go straight across because it was just like slow going. So you would you would make more ground going down and around than up and down, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that's one of the reasons why the upper peninsula has just always been overlooked by everything. Progression of right. all sorts. You know what I mean? And in in all actuality, if you really think about it, you're a little bit younger guy, Aaron, but if if you think about the the last 10 or 15 years, people are starting to talk about the UP a little bit here and there. But if you go back 20 years, nobody even knew what the UP was. Like a lot of people still don't. If you tell them, hey, I'm from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, they have no idea what the UP is. (laughs) You you have to explain that to them and everything else. And, you know, you have to explain the whole thing I'm explaining to you right now, you know? Yep. But if we look at, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I'm glad I have ties to the UP in, in a sense because, you know, I was telling you a little bit before this, the pre-call, that uh, my dad and my uncles and some of their buddies, they started a deer, uh, started a deer camp up in Rapid River. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's about four and a half hours for me, four hours and 45 minutes usually we can get there. And they got that. I, I'm, I know I'm off, but it's I'm just going to say like 1990, 91, that's when they got that. Well, they would always take trips up there to bow hunt or to bear hunt. And, you know, that was part of my childhood. If we if we were going on vacation somewhere, we were going north. You know, four and a half, five hours was a vacation, you know, and that's yep. where we would go up there. And it's, you know, our camp's called Camp Motel 6 because there were six guys involved with it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, no running water. So we had to go to the... Um, Oh man, now I'm drawing a blank to get to get water, and then you know there's a store just down the road that had showers, and we take st- showers there and everything. So that was my vacation. But I've yet to hunt in the UP, and I've yet to do any public land hunting. And like you said, eighty percent of roughly eighty percent of the UP is made up of public land, state ground. So it's like I want to eventually start doing those trips um, with buddies yeah. and getting into it. And that's when like you like came into my head. I'm like, I need to pick your brain and I want to, you know, get into 
to like what is the ins and outs of it up there basically yeah well hey like i said you know michigan is they call it the mitten state and a lot of people just think especially people from from downstate you you troll troll guys you think that it's only just because the downstate looks like like a mitten right yep well, a lot of times youpers will will do the same thing, and if we we're talking about we're going to Detroit, we'll put we'll, we'll, both hands up. So, but <laughs> your your left hand, if you think about it, the upper peninsula is kind of shaped like your left hand, but it's held horizontal. Yep. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And then your your right hand is held for the for the lower peninsula. Your right hand is held upright or or, or vertical, and you explain where you're from on on the state from blah blah blah. Well, the UP is exactly shaped like a, like a glove as well with the Keweenaw Peninsula being your thumb. Right. You, you know what I mean? So you, you could explain where you're going from here to here the same exact way as you guys from downstate. Uh, a lot of you guys downstate don't understand that, but we do that as well up in the UP. We just use, <laughs> use it in a little different area thing. But um, So the people that live up in the UP, um, when I was growing up, there really wasn't a term that we use a lot. But um, we just called ourselves people from the UP or whatever, you know what I mean? Yep. And we didn't really think about, we had to say anything, but um, probably around the late 80s, early 90s, there was a, you know, the being from the Upper Peninsula or, you know, the U people from the UP, UPers, it turned into UPers. Yep. And uh, so that term it, over the years is really... First of all, I love being called a youper. I love uh, telling people I'm a youper. It makes people ask you, well, "What the hell's that?" And, and you can explain to them, you know. And a person that that lives in the Upper Peninsula is uh, obviously, you know, the term is youper. But generally, um, people from the UP are were a completely different breed of people from other places. I mean, you might find some people from Northern Wisconsin that probably have a little bit of youper in them, or they, they have genealogy that moved over there or whatever, but youpers are, are a different type of people. And there's generally about 370 something inches of snow that falls a year up there. <laughs> so yes, people, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of snow. That's 27, 28 feet of, of snow that fall a year. So every time you leave your house, if you're from the UP, every time you leave your house, it's in a, from late September to, you know, April, even into May, you know, six inches of snow could fall while you're away from your house. You know, so the people up there have a totally different mindset of, you know, of resourcefulness compared to other people. Like maybe nowadays a little bit, you'd call triple A and that kind of stuff, but in, when I was growing up, there was no such thing as triple A and, you know, calling records and, and all that kind of stuff. You had to be resourceful. Like you go into work, if you had to commute 30 miles to work, you know, that 30 miles into work, if six inches snow fell, it might be a little bit slippery getting in. But if another eight or nine or 10 inches of snow fall on the way home and the trucks haven't been out there yet, you got to think about like, what I got to do to survive if I, right. if I put her in, into the toolies, you know what I mean? Like put her off into the ditch. So people from the UP, I mean, and the farther you get away from the cities, like the Marquette and, you know, I, I grew up close to Marquette, but you know, you, you get away from the cities a little bit and the people that live all in, you know, out of the, the, the metropolitans of, of, of the UP, if you want to call them that, <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they, they are some of the most resourceful most common sense 
laden people that you're ever going to meet, Aaron. You know, I mean, these people, I mean, I remember, you know, when I was a kid and you'd go out and, and hang out in a place that was, you know, 30, 40 miles out of town, you know, a girl from Scandia or a girl from, you know, Eben or something like that. And these girls are like 12 or 13 years old and they know how to change a tire. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, on a car. Yep. You know what I mean? Think about that. You know what I mean? Like there's no girls that, or, or, or even guys these days, you know what I mean? That know how to change a tire. You know what right. I mean? Like but these are farm girls and, and, and girls that, you know, they're, they're resourceful people. I mean, they understand like, Hey, we put this, we, you, you drive us off into the toolies here and we're stuck. You know, we got to be able to survive. We're, you got to learn how to fend for yourself. Miles. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's a different, it's a different, completely different mindset. I mean, cell phones are different now a little bit, but, but still youpers are resourceful people. They're fun loving people. They love their social people. They love to have, I mean, they're not social in the, the aspect that they love to have a lot of people from outside of the UP coming in and, 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 and uh, getting into their their space or whatever. But if you if they understand you and you, they've been introduced to you, they love you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they're fun-loving. And they, they, they're people that want to just sit around a campfire, have fun, tell stories. And, you know, storytelling is a major part of the Uper culture, the UP culture. I mean, we love telling our stories and there's only so many people that can tell stories that's just a gift that you're either given or you're not given but there's always one good storyteller in a group and and if you've ever been up there and you spent some time up there like you said with your your uncle's camp if you spend any time with the locals you understand the storytelling is very very important to the culture yep definitely and i i see that kind of bleed down here a little bit as well i mean i i'm very very talkative. My dad's very talkative. I think I probably get it from him. My uncles are the same way, but we have a deer camp down here as well, down in central Michigan. And it's the same, it's the same culture to an extent, you know, it's not so much of like, you know, there's little towns in the UP that when November 13, 14, 15, 16 come around that, that could be the mom and pop diner. That could be, you know, a huge part of their income for that year. You know, that's just the way it is. And towns, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of businesses and towns and schools that basically shut down um, because of opening day. It is the richest heritage that I've, you know, done any research on. And I'm not just saying that because I'm from Michigan, but, you know, I know PA's got a, a, a rich tradition. I know Wisconsin does as well, but I feel like it stemmed from the UP. Like it stemmed from there and kind of like, you know, were spidered its way out, if you will. But like, it yeah. is so rich in tradition up there that like, it's I don't know. It's it's in the UP the Upers, like you say, they're passionate about that. They love that, and not a lot of people you go go and come around up there are there are not hunters or not outdoorsmen. You know, majority of them I feel like are they live that lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, if you take a look at the culture, I mean, the culture is made up of, I mean, if, I, I, I would probably, I'm, I'm guessing these are, these are Uper stats here right now, but I would, I would say that the UP is probably 60% or traditionally has been 60% Finnish. Yep. People of fin- Finnish descent. And um, I mean, their people, they came over from Finland to come to a place that is exactly 
like Finland. You know what I mean? They're yes. miners. Yep. They, they, they came over here to do the, and, and uh, uh, you know, people came before them and they say, oh man, there's a lot of Finns over there. And, and my grandfather went there or my uncle or whatever. And, and that's how you, you fill in the culture of the UP. And, right. and they have so many different things that, that, that they've, um, they've made the UP like a small Finland you know what I mean in that aspect, but there's there's so many other cultures up there as well. But, yep. but you have to understand that the Finnish the Finnish uh, genealogy is very very strong up there. Um, but if if you take a look at like um, the Upper Peninsula and in the the what it's done for the the hunting culture, I mean, yeah, there's other places. You know, you got your Iowas that are beautiful places. There's mega mega giants down there you got your illinois you got um kentucky and ohio and you got all these other places that are very very beautiful and they they are and you know they all have their their reasons why there's big uh big bucks in 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 uh their, their culture is um is grown over the last 30 years or whatever but when you look at michigan and the upper peninsula and what it's done for the for the deer culture the culture that we all are are fortunate, um, fortunately able to, you know, be part of now, Michigan and the Upper Peninsula have been in the forefront, history-wise, um, even cultural, U.S. cultural-wise. If you look at things, the the Upper Peninsula was a place that was a big woods big camp small camp environment that people big woods environment that people wanted to 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 take if they had a week or they had two weeks in in deer season in in our i don't know how far it goes back but november 15th through the 31st of november is our deer season right that's never gonna probably change aaron (laughs) you know that as well as i do it will never change. change No, we, we could try to change culture for antler restrictions and all this other stuff, but we are never going to take the rifles out of those two weeks. Well, and, and that kind of goes to the aspect of like going back to those little towns that rely on that income and everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, like you can't change it for that as well. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. a lot of history up there and a lot of generations that have those types of places that rely on that. Me personally, being selfish, I want opening day to be around Thanksgiving. I think it makes more right. sense. A, for one, is usually people have a lot more time off from work and, you know, families mm-hmm. get together and there's your tradition. You know, you're trying to get together with everybody, hunt for a long weekend or whatever it is, but you move it back. I mean, there goes a lot of income that could, you know, and and I don't know. I, I just, me selfishly, I want it to be pushed back to Thanksgiving because <laughs> once November 15th, it's both seasons done for. And, yep. uh, you know, and it's it's basically a crapshoot. So that's my yeah, two cents. No, I completely understand that. And I, and I think if you look at the two different cultures, like when you look at like down where you're at, Aaron, and you look at uh, farming communities and the way people hunt down there, it's a totally different culture than, than uh, the Upper Peninsula. Um, our deer in the Upper Peninsula can actually be migrating. They could be done rutting or rutting on the migration trails by the time Thanksgiving come around. Yep. It, it all depends on on um, snowfalls and temperatures and, and, and things like that, mostly snowfall. Okay. 
You, I know, gotcha. you know what I mean? So, yeah. You, you, you know, you could have all the guys that, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't hunt like this, but you can have the guys that have all their bait piles out they're all their box blinds built and all that kind of stuff. If you moved it back another week, those guys could have been working their butts off for a month and they don't even have a chance because the deer already migrate. Right. Depending on this, on the weather for that season, if that makes sense. Yep. You know what I mean? Totally different world, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So to be able to just overall take the whole state and, and say, Oh no, let's move it back. I would, I would much rather have a bow season all the way till the, to November to, to Thanksgiving as well. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yeah. to get that extra week of bow hunting would be, would give deer much more age. You know what I mean? You'd save some of the deer more would, would, would live, but that's just the UP is a different animal when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, and I think that may be a good time to transition to. I want to get into like hunting the UP and how you were brought up hunting the UP and and what it is mm-hmm. now. Because, like I said, I, I eventually want to do these trips up to the UP. I've never hunted public land. That's all that really is up there. I don't own land. Like I said, we just have a deer camp and we can hunt all this public land. So, like, I guess you know how was it hunting in the UP, like bow hunting, October, November before gun season, you know, when you were growing up, how was the deer hunting as far as bow hunting goes? Like big woods, you know, was it really tricky? Did you see a lot of deer or, you know, what, how did that kind of shake out? Well, so to be completely honest with you, when I was growing up in the UP, before I went to the service, when I was 18, um, what we would generally do is we'd go put a pile of apples out. Yep. <laughs> we would sit on apples. We might, we probably build, uh, a wooden stand and, and sit on that those apples and, and we would kill those and we'd kill spikes and forks and all that kind of stuff if they were legal um things changed when i went in the service i came down to south jersey and there was no baiting at that time and i had to go, you know hit public land down here and i had to learn how to hunt so it was a, it was a different thing but if, if we go to the up and you, if, if you were to take baiting out it would change a lot of people's aspects on how to, how to hunt the UP. So it, baiting is a good thing. It's a bad thing. I think if all you do is rely on baiting, you're, you're weakening yourself as a deer hunter. You know, you're, you're putting yourself into a small, small window. You're sitting in the same place. You're not enjoying your hunt because you're sitting in the same tree stand all the time. Does that make sense? Yep. Agreed. I totally know what you mean. Yep. Yeah. Um, when you start to learn and try to, to grow as a deer hunter, you want to do things and you want to see deer do things that are a little more natural than coming into a bait pile and being just on point when they come in. And, um, so I learned those things, but I learned those things outside of the upper peninsula. When I would go home, my brother would have a bait pile all for me in my, in my early twenties, he'd have a bait pile all for me. And we would go up there and we'd, kill big does and kill small bucks. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. We would do those things when we were learning, we were learning about deer hunting. It was an easy way. I'm not necessarily taking that away from other hunters. Cause I know a lot of big, big, uh, you know, guys are from the upper peninsula that have killed some really, really big bucks on bait piles. It happens. It happens during rifle season. It happens during bow season. But, um, I think if those guys want to grow, they got to get away from the bait piles a little bit. Yep. Um, the bait piles, though, 
they do a couple of different things for other hunters like myself and probably yourself as well, Aaron, that gets away from the bait pods a little bit. You understand where the people are when people are baiting. Yep. Right. It makes it's very clear on where they're parking, where their trails are going up and in and out of there. They're they probably got trailer cameras on them and, and those things. The deer population, the hunting, the guys that are hunting different classes of deer, we need that as well. It, that might be only that's as important as it is for those people that, that do hunt over bait and do hunt that way in the upper peninsula. You know what I mean? Like yep. They're okay with shooting a fork. They're okay with shooting a spike. And that's cool too. You know what I mean? They're putting their meat in the freezer and everything else. We know the guys that are hunting sign and, and going in and, you know, being a little more mobile and stuff like that. We understand that as well. So we can kind of utilize where we know those guys are at and where the pressure is going to be to our advantage as well. For sure. Does, it, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely does. So like when that, when that transition happened for you, when you were coming back in the twenties or in your twenties, sorry, not in the twenties, mm -hmm. in your twenties and you're still hunting over bait. Like when did that transition happen to you where you're like, man, this isn't cutting it for me. Like I got to figure something out here. Cause you're probably not killing the caliber of deer you want or seeing the deer you want. So like, when did that transition happen? Yeah, probably, probably around 22, 23. I had probably been hunting for 10 years or whatever and shooting deer over bait. And then, you know, down here in South Jersey, um, hunting deer over sign and stuff like that. And I was started to realize down here, like these deer are no different than the upper peninsula deer. They got different kind of, of pressure. They have different kind of, uh, you know, structure down here as far as, you know, the way the, 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 uh, land is laid out and stuff like that, but they're doing all the same things. Right. You know, yeah, but I started to, to learn how to be able to kill, you know, those two and a half year old bucks and stuff like that without bait, <laughs> you, know, you know, and, and, and on my bait piles in the UP, I'm only killing year and a half year olds and mm -hmm. I'm killing two year olds and three year olds down here. And it just, you know, got a little bit, you know, you started to realize like, yeah, we don't need bait piles in the UP either. You know what I mean? Like, let's try not doing that. Right. Let's, when I get up there, you know, my brother, Jesse, you know, like, Jesse, you don't have to run me a bait pile. You know, like when I get there, we're going to, we're going to read some sign and we're going to go in there and we're, I'm, I want to find some deer. I'm going to put up a tree stand and we're going to find some deer. You know, that's where, where it started happening for me. And then, um, I moved stations. I moved up to Maine. So, uh, you know, when I was in the Navy, I moved up to Maine and when I got up there, it was bow season uh, or they had a pretty early season and then, uh, you know, a long rifle season there. And, uh, the first year I was there, um, I really, really did a lot of scouting. We got there in February, I think it was. So I was able to do some spring scouting and everything up there and found some swamps and, you know, some coastal swamps that were great, found a lot of sign stuff that I had been seeing in the UP and in Jersey and, I was able to put my sights on a really nice buck, you know, uh, you know, if we look at the, the sign that he was laying down that spring. And then when bow season came in, it was the early season. I think it was like September 10th, the bow season came in for some of the coastal areas. And I was on a buck that was, uh, to me, was a really, really big buck. I put a lot of the sign that I had seen in, and I had seen them four different times in um i think i was 24 at the time i seen him four different times during the bow season 
and the closest I was ever to him was about 75 yards. Okay. I was a young bow hunter. I was learning and I was in a spruce swamp type coastal environment. So a little bit different than I'm used to the spruce part, not, not so much, but the, the coastal main environment, um, on the fifth encounter, it was the second day of the season. Uh, I was able to put a bullet in him. It was, it was the second day of the, the rifle season. And, um, I was able to put a bullet in him and, and it killed him. He was a 159 inch, uh, 160 inch, uh, 16 point buck. He weighed 217 pounds. And that's really when it really all changed for me. Wow. Yeah. You, you know, so that was, that was, that was, you know, what changed for me. And I, I didn't want to go back to any baiting, anything. I knew if I was given another couple of weeks and I didn't have the lug- luxury of having a, a gun in my hand, I think I might've been able to get on that guy with yep. the bow. You know, that was really, really close and um, different compared to today. And what we're doing as far as mobile, I, I wasn't nowhere near as mobile. I was doing hang on stands with screw and spikes. You know what I mean? completely different than what I'm doing now with a saddle and sticks and, you know, yep. and stuff like that. But, um, being able to go out there at that age and, and, and learn what that buck was doing, where he was probably where he was bedding and being so damn close to him, but not being able to kill him. Yeah, that was, it was good. He would have probably been in the top five in the state at the time with a bow. If I would have been able to kill him with a bow. So it, it would have been great. Yeah. That's, that's pretty that's cool. That's what changed for me. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So when you went back to Michigan and hunted in Michigan, did you you obviously probably implemented those, you know, those practices. Did you start seeing a change there as well? Like did you get on some better deer, kill some better deer maybe with your bow or or even with a gun? So there was many years in my uh 30 years of marriage to my wife where financially and you know like maybe in in a new position or whatever i didn't have the the vacation time to get to the up every year as much as i wanted to there was a lot of years there's a lot of big gaps where i I wasn't able to get to the up um so there was a lot of times when i did get up there if a a big big doe came by i would shoot a doe (laughs) use my tag under you know what i mean and and um it's some small box, but I, I've to to be honest with you, Aaron, I've never killed a a monster with my bow up there at at this point. You know what I mean? And um, in the last couple of years, my brother and I—well, in the last year actually—I've um, made a commitment in the last couple of years to get up there as much as I possibly can. I'm going. I'm been going up there, you know, two times a year at least. Once for one one in the summer for trout fishing and once in the fall for for bow hunting yep. and i use use the, the 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 summer one for some scouting as well the one thing that i have never done up there even though we got a deer camp up there we never really hunt around the camp a whole lot okay we'd always bounce around bounce around here bounce around there i never ever was able to put like consecutive years in an area last year was the first year that my brother and I found an area that I will promise you that I will spend the next five or six years on. And I promise you that I will kill a big bucket. Really? We, we found an area that has everything. It's about a 5,000 square uh, acre area that has everything that you can possibly imagine. 
for big box. I was up there on, in um, hunting the early season without any bait. You, you know what I mean? It was, it was a different animal for me yep. this year or last year. And, but I was able to put a lot of what I've learned about just reading sign and going in and being mobile and, and hunting deer to my advantage. However, I did not kill last year, but I was very, very close. And I can guarantee you there's going to be a lot more success this year, being able to hunt consecutive years in, in the, in the, the same area. So I got you. No, that makes total yep. sense. So like, I've, I've heard in the past, you know, like I said, I've never hunted the UP. I've have uncles and, and my father, they've done it all. But like, I've mm-hmm. heard in the past, like the stories, you know, as it goes is like, if you can hit a good migration, then you can, you mm-hmm. can be successful. Is that true? Like, do you have, like when you're going up there, let's say you're going up there in October, you know, let's call it okay. early to mid October, you know, what yep. are you looking for? To and I know this is a broad question because obviously you're looking for scrapes and you know sign concentrated deer sign. You're really looking for that as well. But like, what are some things that you're looking for? You know, knowing you have a limited time, you live in South Jersey, mm-hmm. so knowing you have a limited time, like, what are you looking for to try to you know be most efficient and get in on these deer as soon as you can? Well, let's let's put the place that we're that my brother and I found. I'm not going to give you know latitude and longitude lines to it (laughs) but it has everything that i've trained myself on in ohio in pennsylvania in maine in connecticut all the different things in in south jersey um all and and delaware all the different things that i've learned over the years in those places it has every single aspect of those in this area so it's got some elevation a lot, a lot of things that are broken up. There's, there's no. If, if you take a look at the UP, a lot of it is just a big mass of, you know, area, and there's not a lot of edge. Well, there's a lot of edge if you look into it, you, but you right. got to walk. You know what I mean? Um, this has got edge. It's got selective clear cuts. It's got clear cuts. It's got old apple trees. It's got oaks, and it's got like, like I said, it's got the drainages for for elevation change you know so it's got brows it's got water it's it's got everything you could possibly look for if i was to go look for a place that's what i would look for um i was on the you know texting with a a friend of mine here um john white with the the hunting challenge just a little while ago before before you and i got on on the phone and he's sending me some pictures and some and some overheads of things that he's looking for He's got a lot of cover. He's got small amount of water. And he's getting pictures at night, mm-hmm. like around twelve o'clock. On bean, and he's got bean fields along the edge. And I, I said, dude, you got to look at the water. So for me, if anybody knows anything about me and has been on my Instagram, or whatever, the water is the main thing that I look for. So uh, in the UP, it's not going to. Ch- that's not going to change. I'm going to always look for water. I'm going to look for rivers. I'm going to look for lakes. I'm going to look for beaver ponds. I'm going to look for that first. Deer got to have water. Yep. They're, they're going to find the browse. They're going to find, you know what I mean? There's some deer that live, they've never ate an acorn in the UP. They've never ate an acorn. They've never ate on a, a, a farmer's field, but yet they've got to six years old and they got a 160 inch rack on their head. 
they, but the one thing that they had every day was they had water. Right. You know what I mean? So they're, they're, they're browsing on things and deer are made to browse. They're really not made to eat beans. You know what I mean? As much as it's a key for us in the farm areas, you know what I mean? It's, they don't need beans to live. They don't need beans to, to, to get big racks. They're going to get, you know what I mean? They're going to get their age without beans. So, yeah. but, they, but they absolutely are in need water. Yeah. So that, that's a good out of the box kind of, you know, thought there. That's, that's one thing that a lot of people I feel like, you know, look over. I look over that as well, because you know what I can tell you the, the first thing that I'm really looking for. And I, I did this the other day. I'm, I was scouting in one of my own home properties here in, you know, locally. And what I want to look for is, I don't know why my mind gravitates toward every time, but I want to find some edge. I want to find some definition. Mm-hmm. I I don't know why. Maybe that's why deer use it all the time is because they you know they're edge creatures. But my I just gravitate towards edge. So once I find that edge, mm-hmm. I start scouring that edge. What else is here that makes me want to stay here? Is there a scrape line? Is there a rub line? Is it you know trails going in and out of? Well, the specific edge that I found was. It was where a swamp, thick swamp that you can't really walk in as a human. I mean, deer will get in there. It's where that meets um, basically an old clear cut. And the clear cut's probably 20 years old now. It's starting to get grown up, but it's still pretty thick. Um, So in that Mm -hmm. instance, I'm looking for where the most concentrated trails are coming out of that swamp. That's kind of how my mind works. I start with the edge. So... and. And this is a piece of property that's privately owned and I've hunted it for my, my whole life. So it's like, I kind of know where all the water is. So I think that might be something, something or maybe the little reason why I don't go look for water is because I know where it's at. And I I don't know if that's an excuse or not, but maybe it's just something that doesn't get brought up in my head. I'm trying to think of like, Aaron, think about like this. So, so my, my friend, John White, with the hunting challenge, like he, he said, I'm going to a clock and show me some pictures of this buck coming through. And he's seems like he really likes his area on the Northeast wind. And, you know, we talked about a little bit and I was like, dude, I think, where do you think he's bed? And he asked me. And I, and I said, I think he's probably over by that Creek over there or somewhere along there. First of all, there's, there's ditch and there's some elevation change. We don't have much elevation change here in South Jersey. Yep. So it's very, very flat. The only place you're going to get elevation change. There's a couple of towns that are a little bit higher, you know, you know, you know what I mean? Maybe 60 feet, maybe, right. but for the most part, our, our, our average elevation is minus six feet down here. Actually, we're a floodplain. It really, yep. if you were to look at the geology of, the, of Southern New Jersey, it's, it's a, it's a floodplain is what it is. It's, trapped between the Delaware river and the, the, uh, Delaware Bay in the Atlantic Atlantic ocean. Mm-hmm. So it's just a big, huge Sandy floodplain. Um, so when we get any elevation change, it's good. But what I was trying to explain to him is that deer, no matter what day of the year it is, especially when it's hot, he needs to go to water first. Right. So either he's bedding by water or he's going to go to water first. So I told him either, and we looked at the the picture of of the area, and like like I told him, I said either the reason why he's getting to you at twelve o'clock is either he's way away. I said either that or he's over by this creek, this little bit south of where he's at, 
probably a couple of different properties south of him. I said, or someone is feeding him or there's something that he's eating between you. And there's no beans until we got to right to where his camera was at. Mm-hmm. He's going to those beans, but there's something in between there that he's going to. He's going to go to the water first. I think he's probably betting close to that water because they need water no matter what. Yep. This that... time of year, they're not getting the water from the the plants, the browse. They're not getting that water. Everything is dry and harsh and, 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 and brown. You, you know what I mean? So they're not getting as much water as they need to survive from, in my opinion, from the browse that they're taking sometimes in a year they can't like in the spring and stuff when things are growing and, and it's pulling the moisture and you're getting a lot of rain and it's pulling the moisture out of the ground they can probably get almost as much moisture and water out of the green stuff that's that's growing yeah. I, I don't know if that makes sense to you aaron but yeah you know it definitely does and that's that's something that i would like i think as i'm planning you know what i would how i would scout when i go up to the up like you know, I've already done some e-scouting and everything, and obviously, mm-hmm. I'm what you can see on on the computer is edge. Ma- majority of the time, you can see some edge, and you can see mm-hmm. topographical lines and everything too. But I'm looking for that edge, and I'm going to get on the ground, and then I'm going to go and and look from there. So, like, how do you? I know you grew up in the UP, so this might not be a very difficult question for you, but. How, when you're going to like big woods like this, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. talking 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 acres or more, because that's how much is up there. There's a ton, you yeah. know, how do you not get intimidated and how do you like just break it down to where, you know, it's, it's not overwhelming. You break it down. Just like you just said, you, you break it down into pieces. Um, so if I'm going to look at a place that's 10,000 acres, 5,000, 2,000, whatever it is. If I'm in Ohio, if I'm wherever I'm at, Pennsylvania, Maine, the UP, I'm going to look at those things. I'm going to start breaking it down into things that make sense to me. And then the one thing that other places don't have that the UP does have, I mean, there might be a place out in Missouri and and maybe uh, Southern Indiana and stuff like that that have this, but dirt roads that go through those forests, are huge and it is it, something that is so basic that, <laughs> that we, but we probably have got away from it so much and you know in as far as hunters is you drive those roads you you you, you find a 25 acre piece of property and there's a, a bunch of roads that go through it luckily and fortunately in the upper peninsula you got roads going everywhere everywhere you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. roads, roads, everything going everywhere if, if i was the most basic hunter that, but people don't think about it like this anymore and but they used to and gun hunters do do this you know old traditional hunters from the up upers do this you drive the dirt roads and you find those spots where the deer are crossing. If you find a deer in September or October that's crossing in a low spot next to a creek, and he's on the north side of it, or he's on the south side of it, and he's and he's got four sets of tracks going across that road in the last three weeks or two weeks, it's, it's all right there for you. Sure, he crosses right here. You got to wait him out. You know what I mean? Or, or he's you got tracks going back and forth to the same buck. Same big buck that's crossing right there. It's so simple. This is where he comes and goes. You know what I mean? Like, okay, now I got to figure out, like, 
without going on his trail and without walking that ditch or whatever, just think about it. Like you got your phone now, open it up, look at it and say, why is he going up here? And why is he going there? Right. Why is he going to these two different places? And it's very, it's generally very simple. It's, it, it's exactly like in farmlands down in Ohio. You know what I mean? Or, or in Illinois, it's the same thing. He's got an area where he beds. He's got an area where he feeds. This is a low ditch that he can come through. He got, he's got all the thermals pulling down here, and he can smell it coming, and he can smell it going. You know what I mean? This is why he goes here. But why? Yep. You know, where is start and where does he begin? It's as simple as that. It really is. But we make it so hard, and yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's that simple. But it's it's to me, if I can drive dirt roads in an area that I like, the dirt roads will tell you everything, man. That you know that, what I mean, but. That explains a lot, though, too. I guess I'm going to further that question with, you know, there's not a ton of ag up there. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's not a lot of that. So what what would you say would be like a destination food source for deer up there? If you're trying to put those pieces together as far as like, okay, they're bedding here, but where the hell are they going? Like, where's that food source? Now, I know that's broad. That could be like an oak flat or something like that. But like, mm-hmm. what is, is there a certain you know, uh, type of tree up there or something like that? Or like, what would be the destination food source up there in a big woods scenario? So, I mean, this is, there's been plenty of people that have talked about this before, but I mean, first of all, it's gotta be oaks. If you got oaks, that's where they're going. Yep. You know what I mean? Simple as that. And in the upper peninsula on the, I hunt the Northern terror, the Northern section of the upper peninsula there's not as many oaks as you would you would think there's very few oaks actually so when you can find those individual oaks or you know what i mean you can walk through there and, and kind of find those oaks that are dropping that year and they they go on a two-year cycle generally um you find those individual oaks it's the same way i would do here i, I do the same thing in south jersey you know i'm looking for the white oaks first the red oak second you know, and the red oaks are going to be later on in the fall. The white oaks, we're, our white oaks are dropping now. It's, you know, right. August, what, what is it, the 15th or 16th, something like that right now of August. When I drive around right now in South Jersey, I go through the bean fields that I've been going through all summer. And this week will be the week that I will see bucks and does walking across the green beans to go back to that one oak that's in the back corner to eat. And I will see two thirds less deer in green beans, green soybeans right now, because they there's an oak tree that's dropping in the back by the creek behind the field. Yep. You know what I mean? Most people do not pick up on that, but that is really what's going on. Oh, the white oaks are that important to, to deer that they're in a farming community. They're going to leave the beans to go to white oaks. They're mm-hmm. that important. So, White oaks are that important. If you can find white oaks, if you can find white oaks in the UP, you are on something. Second of all, in Michigan, all of Michigan, and there's a lot there, is apples. I'm going to look for apples. Yep. Right? There's, a, there's a lot of places that have apple trees. Michigan is one of those places, like we, we, when we were, you may not learn this when you were growing up, but we always heard the, the, the history of Johnny Appleseed, you know what I mean, going around and planting. More, whatever, however it happened in Michigan, we have apples apple trees everywhere for yep. the last 100 150 years if you can find those apple trees dude go to those apple trees if they're on public land in any place where you hunt go there trim them in the spring 
or the fall, you know, I mean, after after season, trim them things, even if it's if it's illegal, don't do it. But but and and go in there and grab a couple of spikes from Home Depot and drop spikes in the root ball of your of your apple trees. It's gonna those apple trees, especially if you don't think anybody else knows about them things, them isolated apple trees back in there. Baby them things, treat them things right because they're gonna treat you. You got about a two week window to go in there and use them. You know what I mean? The deer will pound them. Yep. And you know that Aaron as well, probably even in Southern Michigan. Yeah, definitely. We've got a lot of apple trees around down here. What, what is, what would you be driving spikes in the root ball of it? What does that do? Well, there's, it, it, there's, you can grab a box of um, like mineral spikes. They're basically minerals for trees to help oh, trees. Oh, gotcha. Okay. They're, okay. they're like a green spike that it's going to dissipate as soon as the moisture starts hitting it, but it's going to disperse its, the minerals for the roots gotcha. of the tree. And just to help your tree out, you know what I mean? Like help those trees out a little bit. Yep. I, I didn't I mean? know if you meant like a like a steel spike or something. I'm like, huh, what no, kind of, no, no, no. what secrets you got here? <laughs> no, no, just feed your trees, man. Treat them right. Treat them like they're your, yep. if, if, you know what I mean? If you got a good tree and it's, it's dropping good apples that, that deer like, you know what I mean? Um, you know, go out there and treat that tree like it's a tree in your backyard or something. You yep. know, like one of your, your favorite trees. And then, thirdly, I'm going to look for you know clear cuts. The the clear cuts are very important, and there and other people have said this. I'm not t- teaching t- saying nothing. It's not um, out there, but clear cuts are the cornfields of of big woods. Yeah, when, when, you know what I mean. So definitely there, use them the earlier, the better, the earlier in their cycle, the better. Um, it seems to me like in the mid nineties, when the deer population in the UP started dropping, there was a lot more selective cut going on. There was a lot less just straight up clear cuts, 40 acres here, 40 acres there. What I see in the summer, there is a lot of regular, good old fashioned clear cuts that are ugly when they're done but they are deer magnets. So find your clear cuts. You know what I mean? There looks like they're starting to actually cut every tree down in 40 acres again. Now they're not selectively cutting them. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's a good, that's a good, that's actually a good practice for all wildlife. It's not just, you know, for the, the timber industry, it's good for everyone, everything that's out there. Yep. When you're, when you're going up there to scout, let's say you're scouting a different area that you've never been mm-hmm. to. Are you, this kind of goes back to the intimidation factor a little bit, but are you like kind of, uh, are you getting deep? Are you getting aggressive? Or are you kind of like just bebopping around? You know, you probably have some areas scouted out from e-scouting before you got there. She probably got some pins mm-hmm. on your phone somewhere. You're probably checking those out, but like how far off the beaten path are you getting? Because I know the little bit of time that I spent in the wilderness up in the upper peninsula with my dad, baiting bears and everything back when I was little, it can be scary and you can get turned around in no time, you know, and, and you might not know where the hell you're at. So like, are you getting deep or are you, you know, kind of just bebopping around and, and just kind of, you know, every so often just well, getting a little deeper and deeper? Well, first of all, you should like, before you go up there, you know, spend a little time, like you said, east scout and dropping some pins and really, don't just drop the pins because this is what Danny and Full told you to do, you know, what to drop here and to drop there. And, and Aaron Belize t- told you to do, you know what I mean? And, and you heard on his, on his podcast, really learn what, what that piece of property is that you're going after. 
You know what I mean? Like yep. really learn it. So when you get there, it's not that big of a deal to you. Like, whoa, okay, yeah, there's a few more spruce trees here than I thought, or there's a few more maples here than I thought. Than the, the, the picture that was for the aerial that I, I was looking at, but get an idea of what's going on. Like, get an idea of okay, if I'm going to walk up this river and I'm going to walk the ridge that's, that's above this this creek or this river, you know what I mean? Like the first five bands, I should know the first five bands if I leave the road. You, you know what I mean? Like, yep. So you can kind of when that river's off to your right or you hear left or whatever it is, you can kind of have some orientation on where in the hell you're at. Right. Because you need to know where you're at. Because in all actuality, if you're having, you know, whatever mapping system that you're using, you should be doing screenshots or um, offline stuff, whatever you're doing with whatever mapping system that you use. Because when you get up to the UP, you're not going to have service in many places. You know, you're going to have service in uh, by the, if you're close to metropolitan areas or city areas or whatever but you're going to get to places where you don't have service. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you really, really, we should all be doing this anyway. Right. You should be able to re- be able to read a map and, and be able to read a compass. Right. On where you're going. Compass is key. Yeah. If nothing more than, Hey, I'm on a road. I'm going into this section of woods. My truck is parked here and I'm south of where I want to go. And this road kind of runs Northwest. You, you, or the road kind of runs uh, east-west, and I'm going to the north side of it. Let me grab my compass. You know what I mean? Okay, I'm going north. Let me grab my compass. I'm heading up north. If I head south for the for the 15 mile length of this road from where I'm at, or 10 mile length of this road, I should be able to. If I go south, I'm going to hit this road at some point. You right. know what I mean? If, it, if it's nothing more than that, that'll get you home at night. You know what I mean? So. Yep. Always carry a compass in UP, but yeah. that's that's just good woodsmanship anyway. You know what I mean? It really is in, in an area where you can't get service on your phone. Yeah. So yeah, that that's great tips. You know, and that's something that, uh, like I said, I, I get fired up thinking about this trip. It was been on a whim kind of this summer. I'm like, get a wild hair on my ass. Where I'm like, you know what? I want to start going up there and doing this. Uh, why not utilize the cabin that we have that uh, has so much history behind it? And, mm-hmm. you know, my dad's and uncle, my dad and uncles and everything, you know, spent their time up there. They're now they're a little older and don't do much with it. So why don't us boys go up and do it? And I think it'd yeah. be fun. So that's why I wanted to Absolutely. get a hold of you, man. I, I really appreciate yep. you coming on and doing this and talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you asking me to be on there and I, I really do. Yeah. Well, if anybody wants to know what you're doing and to keep up with what you're doing in the hunting world and in the woods this fall and everything, where could you direct them? Instagram, Facebook, stuff like that? Yeah, pretty much. I'm, I'm Todd Freeman on Facebook and then, uh, you know, the UP bow hunter on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. Todd, thank you very much, man, again, for coming on and doing this. I, I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, Aaron. All right, there you have it. Todd Freeman, thank you very much, man, for coming on and doing this. Greatly appreciated. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. It was really cool. A lot of information. I do want to remind you guys, please go to uh, go to 5-star. Go to iTunes and leave a 5-star rating and leave a written review. That really helps in the rankings. Gets the fall podcast out there a little bit more because that would be greatly appreciated. But... Uh, With that being said, thank you guys very much. Hopefully you guys have a great rest of your week. We have 
uh, holiday weekend coming up, so have fun this weekend. Be safe, and we'll be right here next week on the Fall Podcast.